0: Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st,
1: 2024. Let's do this.
0: The Tiger Man and Cole
1: Dawson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of Pro Wrestling Uncut. Today, I guess I am your host, Cole Dawson, here with my man, Tiger Man, Dave Smith, and DJ Barbecue, Charles... How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great, really. Now, excited. see, this
2: is a uh, this is a, a change of uh, events where Charles is usually our host, and I would call him the the host of the most, except it's trademarked and it's not true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, Tiger Man. Well, today we got a little bit something special. We are talking about the second. Uh, division, The Dreamer Division in the RetroSoft Indie, Man, Indie Mania 32-Man Tournament where we are going to pick a fantastic independent wrestler to be in their brand new video game, Retro Mania Wrestling. And uh, today we got a little special help. Um, I pulled some strings, dug into my uh, sister and brother-in-law's uh, uh, phone book and uh, found us a wrestler who is in this. He's a fantastic uh, independent wrestler, incredible promo, and, uh, was part of one of my favorite wrestling podcasts of all time. Everyone should check it out. Gregory Iron on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. Gregory, how are you doing today?
3: I'm good. Uh, thanks for that, uh, tremendous introduction. I appreciate
1: it. Well, yes, you, I I gotta say, uh, on the air, I like to, at this point in my life, I like to be honest and tell people you, you, uh, you got me a little emotional listening to that episode, hearing about your story and your life. Uh, you're you're just a fantastic human, um, and your story really is inspiring. So for the people out there listening to this that might not know who you are, could you introduce yourself and uh, maybe try to win some votes?
3: Well, um, I, uh, I'm the only professional wrestler competing with cerebral palsy, which is a neurological disability that I was born with. Um, well, I was a month premature when I was born back uh, way back in 1986, and uh, I was about one pound. I almost died uh, choking on my own stool, and uh, the, do- the doctors don't know um, whether or not I technically had cerebral palsy uh, before or after that I entered the womb, but there's a good chance that it was uh, after, because... Uh, A lot of the times it could happen from lack of oxygen in the brain, which, of course, I had, and being premature didn't help and all those things, and my mom was into a lot of drugs and things of that nature, but basically, with this neurological disability, there's various forms of cerebral palsy. Some people have more severe um, conditions than I do. Uh, Some people are bound to a wheelchair or have speech problems or have uh, no function in both of their arms or one of their arms or their legs, my cases, it's... Technically, my whole right side, but it's most noticeable in my right arm, hand, and fingers, and uh, despite this disability, and despite people telling me that I couldn't live my dreams, uh, I grew up and I said, F it, I'm going to be a pro wrestler anyways and try it, and uh, I mean, 13 years into it, I'm still doing it, so I guess I'm uh, pretty much cut out for that dreamer division here in the video game.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, uh, aptly uh, uh, picked there. Um, So... What was it that drew you to the wrestling business uh, at, at when, what, about what age did you get into the wrestling business
3: uh I mean i um I mean I watched wrestling as far as I can remember my first memories are um, I've talked about a lot of other podcasts my my grandma's the one that got me into professional wrestling and she had a um she was really religious and she had all these uh, religious knickknacks and Uh, she kept them in this glass case and sometimes when I would get bored watching cartoons or whatever, I'd walk over this glass case and just kind of examine the knickknacks and stuff. I don't know. It was just something I did as a kid and um, amongst these knickknacks, there was this overly tan, orange, muscular man with a yellow t-shirt and bandana and a skullet and a blonde mustache and uh, I grabbed it out of the case and uh, it turned out it was a shampoo bottle of hulk hogan and uh i didn't know what a hulk hogan was so i asked my grandma about it and she showed me some wrestling and uh, i don't remember exactly what i watched but um the the first memory that is vivid following that is uh wrestlemania six which was you know skydome uh sixty seven thousand six hundred seventy eight people in attendance for the ultimate challenge hulk hogan versus the ultimate warrior title for title and uh after that match and seeing Hogan, uh, I was hooked. And for me, um, I guess it was it was getting lost in those larger-than-life characters, and, and Hulk Hogan was so inspiring to me as far as, like, he telling me to say my prayers and eat my vitamins and believe in myself. And I think, you know, th- that's not unique to anyone specifically. I think that that message resonated with a lot of kids my age around that era. Um, but I think more so as my personal life became filled with more turmoil as far as like not only am i being made fun of in school for this disability that i have but i don't have the best parents um, my my mom as i kind of mentioned she was really into drugs and uh my dad liked to dabble in the drinking and they butted heads a lot of the time so i had to watch a lot of physical and men- mental abuse between my parents and then that abuse was put onto myself and my brother and so for me getting lost in those larger than life characters became a real escape. You know, it didn't matter how bad things were going in my personal life or if if I was getting evicted from a house or my mom was doing drugs or abusing me. Uh, If I could get in front of the TV and watch wrestling or watch my wrestling tapes or read a magazine or play with uh, the action figures that I had and just forget about my problems for a little bit. Like that was my escape that kept me going. And, uh, I think when I lost my grandma at eight to cancer, um, because of that connection that I had with her and through wrestling, I, I feel like it made me latch on to wrestling, um, stronger, but I never really thought that I'd be able to be a part of the business as a wrestler.
2: Now, Gregory, did you uh, grow up playing the uh, wrestling video games as a kid?
3: I did. Uh, now, uh, obviously I have, you know, limited function on my right hand, but, um, uh, the, the controllers, um, with the exception of, uh, I'm sure you guys remember the original Xbox controller that was overly big and lunky. Um, I could never use that controller as I got older. Um, it just didn't work for my hand because, um, with my disability, I guess to describe it a little more, it's like, um, since my, 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 my muscles are tightened in my right arm, but I can kind of mold and shape my fingers to kind of adapt, uh, to certain things like weightlifting or controllers, if that makes sense. And so um, the smaller controllers, when I got started, like Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Sega, like I was able to, um, I have enough function that I can use my thumb and hold with my left hand to to play video games. So um, depending on the era, uh, I I think the the first wrestling game that I really got into was uh, Super WrestleMania. I mean, that was like, I think that's like my ideal time frame as far as uh, pro-wrestling fandom. Like, obviously, the Attitude Era was great, but um, there's just something about the WWF in 1991 and 92 and 93 that I'm really drawn to. So Super WrestleMania was really the first uh, WWF game, wrestling game in general, that I got into. And then um, I remember being really pumped uh, Christmas of 94, I believe it was, to get WWF Raw, which was basically the same as Super WrestleMania, just with some additional characters. Uh, but those were the first games I really got into Then, obviously, you know, when you talk about the video game progression and, uh, Nintendo 64, you know, you can't not talk about, uh, the WCW games, WCW, NWO, World Tour, uh, Revenge. And then of course, you know, WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy. And then, uh, the, the last games that I really got into, uh, during my fandom was really, uh, and I think, I think, um, They got too complicated for me after this, quite frankly. Uh, I really loved SmackDown Shut Your Mouth and SmackDown Here Comes the Pain for PlayStation 2. I remember coming home from school in, like, I think ninth grade, and my brother was really into, like, um, a lot of those RPG games. So it was a matter of, like, if I get home before my brother does, I can get control over the PlayStation, and that means I can play SmackDown or Here Comes the Pain, whatever was out at the time. And uh, I had free reign, so he had to suffer and watch me. Play these games and, and wait his turn. So I, I would skip my last period class to make sure that I had a forty-five minute head start, <laughs> and I could jump on the PlayStation <laughs> to play those games. Like I was super addicted to them.
2: You and me, man. That that that's that's me too. You know that that's my era of wrestling too, man.
3: Yeah.
1: So
2: yes. so that that's really that that's really awesome to me, man. Like uh, especially Raw when when that came out, that was amazing because you could like really hit them with weapons and stuff. Oh yeah, I, yeah. The, I, the, I think the that was the, the Yeah, I think that was, like, the first game that really had that. So on that note, what does it make – how does it make you feel that that you have a chance to be on this video game?
3: I mean, I'm super excited. And and I – I mean, there's so many things that um, have happened in my career. Like, um, you know, obviously we're in 2020 now, and a lot of people are doing their um, 2019 in review or they were doing a whole decade in review. And to be honest, my 2019 was – a roller coaster, especially personally, but professionally, I feel like it was one of the strongest I've ever had. And um, I didn't write one of those year in reviews or a 10 year in review because I feel like I might get real rambly. But um, there's a lot of things that I look back that I've done in wrestling, uh, especially when you go back to the decade prior when I started and people thought it wasn't possible for me, me to make wrestling with a neurological disability work. And then to think that over the last 10 years, um, you know, I think the most successful wrestlers are the ones that are the most humble. And I like to think I'm a pretty humble guy um, because I still look at the things that I do while I look at it from a professional aspect and I'm a student of the game, I'm still a fan. And I still have those moments where I'm like, whoa, like, I can't believe I did that. Like when I look back on the last 10 years, the caliber of of talent that I've worked with and uh, kept up with and the things that I've done like, um, you know, obviously he's my best friend in the world. Uh, the matches I've had with Johnny Gargano and Matt Cross and, you know, uh, Cole, I've been in there with, with Candice LeRae several times. And, uh, yes, I, by I, far I, the
1: best wrestler you've ever been in a ring with. Right. <laughs> uh,
3: well, 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 you know, I, 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 uh, I'm not even saying this just because she's my friend. Like I, I was so upset when, um, she wasn't signed right away. Uh, when Johnny was signed, just because like, uh, having worked with her, um, and especially with uh intergender wrestling being so popular like she's so incredible at psychology and i legitimately think she's the best women's wrestler in the world so like for her to like not get her due for so long was like very frustrating for me but like i'm not gonna ramble about candace though but like um, (laughs) no i do enough of
1: that for everybody (laughs) yeah yeah yeah.
3: But the
2: whole basis for our podcast is cole bragging about candace
3: (laughs) absolutely And, and you should but like uh just, just thinking about, like, the things that I've done uh, in the last decade, like um, the moment I had in 2011 being publicly endorsed by CM Punk and, and Cole Cabana and um, <laughs> working with guys like Rhino and Gangrel and Vader, you know, guys that I grew up watching, and Shane Douglas. I, I just wrestled uh, Tommy Dreamer a few weeks ago and I remember going to an indie show specifically because Tommy Dreamer was on it and uh, teaming with my my uh, childhood hero, Zach Gowan, on a regular basis. And now that he's one of my closest friends in the world. And, um, and, and as you alluded to in the beginning, um, sitting at Stone Cold Steve Austin's house on two occasions and doing podcasts with him and like ha- being on a peer to peer level with arguably, uh, the greatest wrestler of all time. Like those things are incredibly surreal to me. And so, um, as, as long winded as I'm getting here to think that now, like, I have an opportunity to not only be in a video game, but the way that I, I uh, put it online, and I really sat back and thought about it. I, I could be the first wrestler with a physical disability uh, to be in a in a professional wrestling game, and and some people had alluded to, or well, wasn't Kurt Von Eric in a wrestling game. Yeah, dickheads. He was in a wrestling game, but <laughs> he didn't acknowledge that he had a disability, and it didn't affect the way that character performed in the game. Right? And they never put Gallon in a game, so I think like, um, I think it would be interesting and humbling not only to get a chance to be in a video game because I mean I, I I mean in my head when I look in the mirror I'm just me. Who would want to play as me? But I think um, when you look at the big picture, um, just for people with disabilities in general and just people that um the underdogs out there in the world, quite frankly, that think that things aren't possible to see a character like me appear in a video game, I think that could be a pretty cool opportunity, quite frankly.
2: You know, Gregory, um I don't know if, if Cole explained this, but we were gonna have you on here to uh discuss, you know, the whole brackets and stuff. Yeah. But I I'm gonna use my poll right now as one third of the hosts on this. And I'm gonna <laughs> sure. say I'm gonna say Let's not talk about that. I want to take this time to like just hear about you. And okay. I personally want to make you our uh, our endorsed wrestler in this competition because you're incredible and your story is amazing. And I really want to make this happen. And I, after hearing your story, I don't want to talk about anyone else in this video game except you. Is that okay with you, Charles? Well,
1: uh, we don't want to make Retrosoft Studios <laughs> mad at us. See, see,
0: see, right. see, Mister Iron. Th- there's a little inside joke with that, uh, and they've been begging and begging to get that in with the podcast. And then you know, Cole yeah. pull, pulled it and, and and put it in there. Um, oh, yeah, I man. mean, if we're gonna have a guest on there, I mean, I have the bracket up that shows <laughs> uh, you're you're the number three seed. Uh, Going against the number six seed, Steve Miggs. Um, Just a little bit, I'd like to know, like, what has this done to change um, your wrestling career right now? Because, I mean, this is huge because I have never heard of any independent wrestlers ever being or getting a chance in a video game.
2: But first, we're going to need your answer, Charles. Is this is this okay with you?
0: <laughs> is it okay with me? Uh, from your previous conversations, I don't think I have the right to endorse anybody because of my yeah. my my uh, next, record. Next That's back, correct.
1: That's correct. Matt Charles Gregory. cannot endorse anyone. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I wouldn't want to give Johnny Gargano another you know concussion. Yeah. Oh God.
1: <laughs> but is, is that okay with you, Cole and Gregory? If uh, we do it well, for you. Uh, there is one guy who is in your bracket that I thought you might uh have a little insight to. I think you know him. He's the number one seed in your bracket. Uh Matt Cross. You know that guy?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I uh you know, I I first of all I, I love Steve Miggs. I just worked with him in uh Seattle a couple months back and uh uh he has an inspiring story himself. Uh, as far as, you know, he's in his forties. Uh, he's a disc jockey in Seattle and, uh, he kind of had the odds against him as far as like becoming a wrestler too, especially at his age. And, uh, not only is he, uh, blossoming into a great professional wrestler, uh, he's great on the mic and, uh, he has a lot of great ideas as far as psychology and he's got great timing and stuff. And, uh, I really enjoyed working with him. Um, but I figured, you know what? I'll probably roll over Steve Miggs in this competition, right? And I was like, who else is going to be in my bracket that I that I care about bef- besides Steve? And then I saw Matt, and I was like, son of a bitch! Like, I, <laughs> oh, man, so like, I'm like, why why do I gotta face him like potentially like right away, right? And I'm just like, uh, Matt is one of my closest friends, and uh, you know, I I've I've talked about this in the past. You know, um, I've always alluded to how like guys like hogan when i was younger inspired me and then as i got older and angsty austin inspired me um and when i saw gowan he made me believe that i could be a wrestler but there was there was a little tinge of doubt and um when i started going to independent shows in 2005 um i had already known about mdog 20 through the backyard wrestling video game and uh i had I had a cop. my buddy had a copy of it on the Xbox, and on the Xbox there was like this DVD bonus footage, and there was an interview with Josh Prohibition and m Dog, and I didn't know much about them, but in the interview, uh, m Dog was like, uh, oh man, it's great to be here in California, it's a lot warmer right now than it is in my hometown of Cleveland, and when he said that, I was like, oh man, this guy's from Cleveland, and um I connected with him right away just because, like, you know, he's from my hometown. And at that time, you know, there's so many guys from like Cleveland and Ohio now that are on like uh, wrestling television. But back then, the closest person you had representing Ohio was like Al Snow. And so to hear that there was someone from my hometown was pretty cool. And so I started going into the indie shows. And when a couple of my buddies saw Matt Cross in person, they said to me, you know, if you like worked out like harder, and you became a wrestler i bet you, you could be built like matt cross and i was like oh man like that that was like cool to think about right and so back when aol instant messenger was a thing i um i found Dog's screen name and i reached out to him and i wrote him and i told him my situation that i was uh thinking about being a pro wrestler with a disability and uh And I asked him if he thought it was possible, and he told me yes, and we had this conversation, and he really encouraged me. And it's funny that you fast forward, and uh, I remember a few years back, we were talking about that specific conversation on AIM, and I remember Matt saying, you know, I remember you writing me, and I remember telling you that uh, you should try it. But now, if someone asked me that, I'd be like, "Don't be a wrestler. It's so dumb. Like, and, I, and it's not even just a matter of like your disability. It's, like, you'll ruin your life. Like, just yeah. stay in school." But like for some reason, I told you to be a wrestler. So anytime something goes wrong, I make sure to text Matt or I tell Matt like, "This is all your fault. You encouraged yeah. me to be a wrestler." <laughs> uh, so I never give him praise when like the good things happen. I just like this. This is all your fault. You ruined my life. Um, but um, yeah, you know, and Matt's always been a guy I looked up to, and. Uh, when I got to wrestle him for the first time in 2010, it was like a dream come true. And, uh, I've had some incredible matches with him since. And just, uh, just to know that I'm, you know, we're like close friends. Again, it's one of those things that's, um, incredibly humbling, uh, for a kid that, you know, grew up watching him and just to be a, a friend and a confidant, it's pretty cool. And, uh, it's just uh, very unfortunate that uh, I'm going to have to use my political power and my inspirational story to uh, eventually <laughs> take him out in this tournament. It's, it makes me <laughs> sad, but you know, uh, it's got to be done. He's already been in one video game, so it's it's my time. It's my time. Hey,
0: this, this, you got our vote, man. You got our vote. This, this is just like Beyond <laughs>
1: Thunderdome. It's killed or be killed.
3: <laughs> That's right. That's right, brother.
1: Well, yeah, you definitely have the toughest bracket in this tournament uh, because right now. Ah, uh, once you roll over Steve Miggs, and I'm so glad that you uh, you talked about him because we uh, we researched all these guys today, and the only thing I can find about Steve Miggs is that he plays goalie for the Tacoma Donkeys. So shout out to the Tacoma
3: Donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's, he's like a, he's a disc jockey on the on the biggest radio station in Seattle. Yes,
1: yeah, I did find yeah. that as well too. And I was like, man, this guy's an interesting dude. But I'm glad you had a little insight into his wrestling career. Yeah, I no, mean, I it, if
2: if they were coming out with a video game about being a DJ, like he would definitely be the favorite, you know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> if
1: Absolutely.
2: they had a if they had a, a video game about a beer league uh, hockey team, he'd be the favorite. But in yeah. this video game, Gregory, it's you, man
3: well thank you i mean um, there there is a lot of competition that I'm worried about like I saw um i did see war Horse is in there somewhere and he's yes. he's really popular on wrestling twitter so i'm I'm very concerned about my well being if I have to come across Warhorse. and uh, I saw that um what Shane Mercer's in this and uh he's like a just a just an athletic physical specimen so there's some guys in there that um you know, I, I'm glad I got your guys' vote of confidence, but I'm a little scared as I as I <laughs> progress in this tournament, to be honest with you.
2: Well, yeah, because, like, you know, right—go ahead. No, nothing in your career has been easy, though. And, and that, that's kind of your thing. Yeah, and it's like, if this was, like, just given to you, like, it wouldn't be worth it. It, w- it wouldn't be Gregory Iron. It, it, it Like, like the fact that this is hard is, is that it's you. You, you. you overcame so much things— and now you're going to overcome this bracket.
3: Well, I'm going to do my best. And, and you know, it, it, you did kind of set the tone properly. I mean, like, my, my whole story is a matter of, like, overcoming these challenges, right? And it's um, – it, I think it makes me appreciate when good things happen that much more. And I, I do feel sorry for people that have never had anything truly bad happen to them because um, I do think that you need to, like, go through a pile of shit so when you get to the roses – like, you you can appreciate how they smell, and uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, uh, sometimes though I have those moments where I'm like, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if there's a God or something spiritual out there, but I, sometimes I look up in the sky and I say do you really have to make it this hard for me? I mean, can you make it a little bit easier? <laughs> Cause I mean, like, like I, I, I've been through so much already. It's almost like, um, if God does exist, sometimes I feel like I'm his cruel joke. And so, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, like, like, like I alluded to 2019 was very rough for me. And it was my first year in wrestling that, um, um, pretty much the whole year I worked without a job at the time. I, uh, Uh, I was dating this girl and uh, she really encouraged me because of my busy schedule. She said, you know, why don't you pad your schedule with speaking engagements and uh, wrestling bookings and see if you can quit your job. And uh, I said, okay. And uh, going into it, it was a lot easier knowing that I had this chick that I really cared about holding my hand in the situation. Uh, And you could pick which hand that is. It's either the good one or the bad one. Uh, And, (laughs) and, uh, uh, but, uh, of course uh, we broke up uh, and right as I'm, as I pad my schedule and I quit my job and it's, it's incredibly terrifying to fly without a net because I feel like I'm in this um, very odd in between place as a pro wrestler. Like I, a lot of people know who I am, but I'm not like um your Joey Ryan or your Cole Cabana. So I'm sort of like, and I'm making money, but I'm not making their kind of money and I'm, I'm staying afloat. So, and it's been like that for a long time. So it's one of those things where it's like without the net of pro uh, of, of a job rather and benefits from that job. uh, It's, it's quite terrifying, but like knowing that I have the podcast now, which I'm, I'm enjoying doing uh, iron-on wrestling, which I do every Wednesday. um, And I'm trying to monetize that and wrestling, obviously, and speaking engagements. Um, It was something that I needed to do, whether or not um, a girl told me to do that. Um, It just helped that she pushed me to that next level. So uh, yeah, uh, I I don't even know what the question was at this point now. I just know that uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is everything is challenging. And I wish it would get a little bit easier at this point, but you know what? It's uh, it is kind of my gimmick that uh, you know, sometimes I gotta crawl through the glass to uh, you know, endure whatever it is I'm during at that current moment.
1: Well, there's a couple questions I always like to ask. Uh, you and I were kind of talking earlier about how the wrestling business isn't always the most kind and easy business to be involved in. Nope. And, uh <laughs> But uh. Of, Everyone sees the, the fans and the, the videos and watches, you know, sees the glorious interests is and all that kind of wonderful stuff. But, uh, it comes with the price. And one of those prices is traveling. Do you have any nightmare travel stories for us?
3: Um, well, the, the most, uh, the biggest nightmare travel story I have is, um, and before I tell the story, I want to, um, set this up by saying it's 110% my fault that it happened. Um, <laughs> But but also as a sidebar, um, traveling in wrestling is hard, and, and I'll, I'll admit that. And I think every wrestler will admit that, especially the guys that like just put in the, the real long miles, and get on the real long flights. But you know what? I, I've um, a lot of my closest friends really um, complain about the traveling, and it, it can be brutal at times. But I I say to myself, um, things could be a lot worse if, if traveling and uh, ignoring the fact that um, you know, We willingly beat ourselves up for money. Uh, if, you, if you disregard that part of it, if the hardest part of what we do is we have to get in a car and, and drive for a few hours, either alone and listen to podcasts or listen to music or talk with our friends for a few hours or uh, get on a flight extra early and lose some sleep and we get to live out our childhood dream, um, it's really not that bad. But uh, the worst travel story off the top of my head, uh, I was in a car with uh, Gargano Eric Ryan uh, facade and we did a loop of shows for Dragon Gate USA. I believe the loop was uh, from Cleveland to Chicago, um, from Chicago to somewhere in between, I can't remember where, and then it was from there to Wisconsin. And so then we had to drive through and then back home. So it was like a three day gig. And uh, it was an interesting tour because I got to work with Brody Lee, a.k.a. Lee Carper, um, for the second time at that point. And uh, yeah, great guy, one of the great, greatest guys in the business. And I'm so glad that he's out of WWE. He gets a, he, he made that money, and now he has that opportunity to uh, show everyone why he's the best, one of the best wrestlers in the world now. So I'm, I'm good on him. And that same weekend was the very same weekend that UHA Nation did a tryout for DGUSA and uh, got a regular spot on the roster there. And uh, obviously, he's Apollo Crews now. So like he, he really busted his ass to get that opportunity. And I was there that weekend to see that. And that's someone I'm really proud of. But um, So we got through the whole weekend. And as we're driving home from Wisconsin, we get to about Chicago. And um, th- if anyone knows anything about me, I have a habit of getting flat tires. And that's mostly because I'm a cheapskate. Um, I'll get a flat tire. And uh, instead of buying a new tire, I will buy a $20 used tire because why would I spend a hundred dollars when I could spend 20, right? Like I'd go to this little Arab guy uh, uh, at the end of my street and uh, he'd say, uh, you want the good tire? You want the okay tire? And I'd be like, how much is okay tire? he would go "Uh, 20. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, yeah, give me okay tire. And so, uh, so on this particular occasion, I think I had a flat tire like two weeks prior and like a cheapskate, I was putting off getting the spare. So we get this flat tire and pull off on the side of the road. And I said, guys, I don't have a spare tire. And they're like, (laughs) what? Now, so we had made like no money from that weekend. Um, Like at this point, like uh, it's 2011. So we're all about like five years in. Um, We're like making chicken shit. We probably spent all the money that we had on gas and uh, food. And so this was about midnight. Uh, on a Saturday or Sunday, and uh, we did. I didn't have AAA, and at the time, because we were we were so poor, I didn't have car insurance, which I do not recommend to anyone out there. I was driving without car insurance because the car that I was driving was a um, was something that I was paying for monthly, and because I was so young at the time, I was like 23 or 24, and car insurance was through the roof for this car. So I was like getting. Uh, figuratively raped for for this car payment every month and on top of that if I wanted insurance I think it was for full coverage it was like something like $300 a month which it was a matter of like do I want to pay for insurance or do I want to eat food Um, I guess guess I'm going to eat food so um, I didn't have AAA or anyone to call Um, we had no money for a spare so I ended up we broke down next to like a factory um, which we had like Go over like um go up a hill to get to, and I said, You know, we're in a situation, we're young kids. I'll walk up to this factory, someone there will give us a spare tire. And so we went over there, and uh, we asked these people in the middle of the night, Hey, does anyone here have a spare tire? And the guy left and came back, and he's like, No one wants to give you their spare tire, man. And I was like, Okay, and so we sat in the car, and uh, hours went by because we have no way to contact anyone. And, uh, I mean, we have a phone, but like the people we're contacting, like they're not anywhere near us. I mean, we're in the middle of bumfuck Chicago. And so, um, eventually a guy pulled up probably about six hours in and he goes, oh, uh, whatever car I had at the time, I don't remember. He goes, uh, I have, I have a spare tire for this car at home. Uh, I'll go back and get it. Uh, this guy leaves, never comes back. Um, and so, uh, eventually a cop pulls up and like, so at this point when the cop comes, we had been sitting on the side of the road not knowing what to do for, like, nine hours. And, uh, I mean, it sounds pathetic. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> all I'm an and so um, this cop is like, oh, do you have someone to call? I'm like, no, no, no. Finally, uh, one of the promoters from AAW, Mike Pekovic, saw a Facebook post from, from one of the guys. It was either me or Johnny or facade or something uh, saying that we needed someone to bring us a tire so Pekovich knew a guy who had like a car, uh, a car place there in Chicago. This guy ended up bringing a spare tire to us, um, putting it on the car, and then uh, the guy goes, "Okay, you guys are good to go." And then he's and, and obviously we had told Mike Pekovich we had no money, so this guy goes, uh, "So uh, I guess got to know." Uh, which one of you are going to blow me now? And we all looked at each other (laughs) and then said, I'm just kidding. And I was like, okay, thank God, because uh, (laughs) I'm not going to be that guy for a tire. I'll just walk home at this point. (laughs) Uh, We stayed on the side of the road for, I think, almost 13 hours. So from like midnight um, that night until 1230 the next day, um, because I'm an actual moron. So that's the worst (laughs) road trip I've ever had in my life.
1: Oh, these these questions always lead to great stories.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) and then my other question I always like to ask that's that's a great travel story. Now, uh, what have you had anything on the road that happened that was just so unbelievable that it's like you're going to be telling this story until the day you die? Ricky Ray has told us a really good story about getting uh, checked at the border. Uh, trying to – or at the airport in Mexico trying to bring back some uh, performance-enhancing type supplements uh, uh-huh. at the airport before they increased security. And Willie Mack told me one time in New York, they're standing out, out in an alley behind the, the venue, and some dude just pops up out of a manhole. And walks away, and nobody reacted. Like there's just, <laughs> there's people everywhere, and this dude just climbed out of a manhole, and everyone's like, "Up, oh, yep, manhole people, it's New York. What can you do?" Oh <laughs> so,
3: god, that, that's horrible. I, I mean, I, I have to really think. Um, of course, when these questions get asked, like you know, you can't think of anything off the top of your head. But I, I do know that there's been some travel situations that I think to myself, you know, like if I was just, you know. Um, I could have done anything with my life. I could have stayed in school. I could have got a, just a regular job. And like, I wouldn't be experiencing these things that I'm experiencing when it gets the most ridiculous. So like, um, around that same time period of that dragon gate show, um, actually it was that weekend specifically. Um, something had happened in, in the, um, uh, dragon gate used to do these matches called the fray or, or fray. You can't call them the fray because of the band. So it was called fray the fray match. And, uh, in that match, uh, scramble entrance would come out in intervals, and so Facade, who is notorious for calling way too much, um, was doing the spot where he had about forty-five seconds to do spot, and called something that was like two minutes long. So as the other guy is coming out to to now start running his still spot, running his Facade spot. still running so his still spot, running his yeah. spot. Yeah. And, uh, and he screwing up the timing of everything and. I ended up getting impromptu pulled out of the ring by Silas Young and I wasn't ready for it. So when that happened, my ankle was underneath me and I hit the ground and just landed right on my ankle. And uh, I don't know for sure to this day because I never went to the hospital because I'm a dumb wrestler. um, I'm pretty positive I fractured my ankle because it instantly swole up, became black and blue and uh, I could barely walk. In fact, I did matches for the next six months where guys couldn't whip me and I just thought my ankle was never going to get better. And, um, so to kind of talk about this other road story that like, it's just insane when you think about it. Um, sports illustrated wanted to do a story on me. Um, I think it was November of 2011. So this guy was from New York. He flew in from New York to Cleveland to kind of follow me for a couple days. And then he was going to drive back with me to a Chikara show in New York. Um, I thought my ankle was good. I did this match in Cleveland and uh, opening spot, I try to plant my ankle and it just goes out on me. I can barely walk. I finish the match and um, I have to drive through the night to Chikara in New York City. So while I'm with this guy from Sports Illustrated, I have to stop, Uh, I buy a bucket and I buy ice. And while I'm driving, because it was my left ankle, I just had my foot sitting in a bucket of ice. Um, the whole car ride in November to New York City, uh, and I just felt like an idiot. But I also felt like, well, I mean, this will help for the story, I guess, because, like, I mean, it's it's insanity that, like, this guy probably isn't going to be able to walk or run when he does this next match, but he's still in his car with his foot in ice-cold water, hoping for the best. And even when I got to the show, I remember I wrestled Icarus, and he wanted to call all this stuff and the sports illustrated guy was documenting all this. And, uh, I had to tell him specifically, I'm like, I don't know what you want to do, but I can't run the ropes at all. And, uh, he said, can you jump off the top rope? And I said, probably not unless we do it in the last spot because I know my ankle is going to go out. And so last spot, I jumped off the top rope. It destroyed my ankle. It hurts so bad to do it. And, uh, probably didn't do me any favors as far as the healing process. And, uh, Then I drove all the way back from New York City uh, alone with my foot in a bucket of ice cubes because I'm an insane person. That's pro wrestling.
1: (laughs) I think you have to have a little bit of that insanity to want to get in this business, no matter what.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's for insane people only.
1: Oh man, that is oh those are perfect. Uh, So. I believe we are coming towards the end. Dave, do you have a couple questions, sir? I have uh,
2: something. Um, I was just on the phone with, uh, well, texting um, the the owner of this uh, company I do podcasts with, uh, the Grand Geek Gathering for you know comics and nerd stuff and stuff like that. And um, I asked them if it's okay if the Grand Geek Gathering endorses you as our favorite for this competition, which means we'll be posting it all over social media and stuff like that. And he said, of course we will. So um, I just want you to know that that company is endorsing you as well. That's
3: awesome. I really appreciate that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, man, your your, your stories moved me. Um, I know you're a great wrestler, uh, the company you keep. I know you're a, a good friend of Cole's family, which is kind of like my family because we go way back too, you know. Yeah. And, um, and and I really want to see this like this work for you, man. I want I want to play as you in a video game.
3: I appreciate that, man. Like I said, it would, it would be a a dream come true. And, uh, it, it would just be another one of those things where, you know, um, it's just, it's just humbling and surreal. Like, uh, as I'm sitting in my room right now, I'm like, um, I obviously have a shelf of like Hulk Hogan stuff, but, um, you know, I, I, I sit here and I look at like posters that people have made for me, like drawings and like Uh, action figures that people have made not an official action figure but like uh you know custom stuff and then like uh uh super fun 5000 has made wrestling buddies of me which they sell and i have a wrestling buddy of myself sitting with my my tonka wwf wrestling buddies and it makes no sense in my brain um you, you know going back to the stone cold thing like after we did the podcast uh the first couple times like uh he now calls me and i call him and uh I ask him for advice and like, we we make fun of each other. And uh, if you would would have told 14 year old Greg that any of this would be happening, um, he would have thought you were insane, Uh, but it's happening. And uh, you know, I I had a conversation with Johnny about a year and a half ago where I was talking to him about a conversation with Steve Austin and he was talking to me about a conversation with Shawn Michaels. And uh, me and Johnny are like brothers and I know how much uh, Shawn meant to Johnny and Johnny knows how much Austin meant to me. And uh, we just had this moment where we're like, uh, what kind of weird world are we living in? Where, uh, we're best friends with Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin. the two guys that wrestled each other in the main event of WrestleMania 14 and essentially ushered in the attitude era. And he said, I don't know, man, but let's just roll with it. I, I said, yeah, man, let's just, <laughs> let's just go with it. Like, like, like it'll never make any sense. Um, but, uh, uh, it's just it's incredibly humbling. So to be in a video game would be just on another level.
2: So uh, what what advice do you have for the uh, the other dreamers out there that that want to make this their their livelihood, that want to be on the big screen, to to be what you are right now?
3: I would say you just have to take the first step, and uh, that that's the scariest part about any dream is uh, taking that first step. You 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 often find that when you divulge um, your deepest, darkest uh, fears to people and you tell them what you wish to be, that the people that gave up on themselves early on are very dismissive. And they, um, they will tell you all the negative stuff because their dreams died a long time ago. And so they wanna drag you down because they never got theirs. And um, there were a lot of people that tried to drag me down and still do. Um, despite all the stuff that I've done. And um, had I ever listened to those people, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And um, I, I often think about that. And I think about the first day that I stepped from wrestling school and how terrified I was. Um, because I thought to myself, if I suck at this, am I ever going to be able to look at wrestling the same? Because I had such a passion for it in my heart. Like I thought like if I fail, like I might ruin my greatest love and um i know looking back at it now that like i needed to take that risk because even if i would have sucked sucking is better than looking back and and wondering what if and so i would just tell anyone like take the first step towards your dream because life never gets any easier your dream will never get any easier but nothing is more difficult than taking that first step and if you take that first step You've done more than ninety nine percent of the general population who have a dream
2: that that that's amazing right there and right. i hope I hope Charles sound bites that and we could just make that live on forever because that was honestly one of the most inspirational things I've ever heard someone say, and I've had a lot of people say inspirational stuff to me um. Dude, you, you're just amazing, man. Like this whole interview has made me so awestruck in in everything that you said, man. Um I am so happy that we get to endorse you, man.
3: I, I appreciate it, but I just remember I'm a dude, you're a dude, we're all dudes. And uh <laughs> I don't know. I like I I I uh I don't know. I just I just good don't want uh yeah, good, good burger. Uh I just I don't know. I want people to realize that like, you know, life is short and uh that's so it's like such a generic thing to say. But like life is really short and as we get older, uh I realize more and more how short life is and um how important memories are and moments. And uh when I first got into wrestling, Cole, you probably know this man. Like um it was almost like passe for like you'd want to take a picture with like someone who had seniority over you or that was on TV because you know supposedly you look like a mark or whatever. Yeah. And so when I, when I started out like um I wouldn't take pictures with people and stuff because I d- didn't want to get made fun of. And uh, as I get older I realize the importance of that stuff and like like uh again Johnny and Candice are two of my closest friends like sometimes I feel dumb like trying to get pictures with them because like I don't ever want them to think like. I just want to take pictures with them because it's going to get likes on like, uh, Instagram or whatever. Like I I like taking pictures and like having video moments with people because like one day I'm not going to be doing this anymore. And uh, all I'm going to have are like these memories and these moments. And if I can, uh, capture them and let them live on long after I'm gone, that's like super important to me. So, uh, you gotta be able to like cherish these experiences and these moments. And if you can't do it while you're in it, uh, at least you can be able to look back on them and see what you accomplished because, like, uh, I don't know. That's part of life. You know, if there is no afterlife, um, the only thing that we might have are the memories that we leave behind. And that's super important to me. No, you know,
1: that's a I, great, that's
3: I a really great wish,
2: comment. Go ahead. I, I really wish someone would have told me that, that picture thing, but but like when I was wrestling, because I gave up so many moments. Like uh, before, you know, he passed away, you know, worked a show with Canyon. Yeah. And like I really wish I would have got a picture with them, you know. Um yeah. for my my wrestling days, I have uh one picture with someone and that that was uh Super Parka, uh, which was my godfather of lucha and stuff like that. Um But uh another question is um Char uh DJ Barbecue's son is uh becoming a uh, pro wrestling referee. And I've known known I have uh really bad moments with some like really horrible refs in the ring. Do you have any stories about
3: that uh the importance of a good ref um cannot be discounted and i think a lot of people um the the few people that have enough self-awareness to say uh they enter a wrestling school and they want to be a wrestler and they realize well maybe i can't be a wrestler they do one of two things they either just quit because they just wanted to have the spotlight on them the whole time and they were very narrow-minded in terms of like what it means to contribute to wrestling. You probably didn't have the passion if that's all you wanted to do is be a wrestler. Um, Or they try to do something else, which I commend. But I think some people, when they try to do something else or they look at something like being a ref, they just go, well, all you have to do is count and stuff. Um, The ref is so important. And um, I even feel like guys with experience don't utilize the ref the way they should. Like a good ref should go unnoticed to the two guys in the ring. But they should also be enforcing the rules when necessary. And um, I think it gets lost on some guys that like, that ref is, the, is there to communicate um, spots, essentially, you know? Uh, like, like, if I need uh, to change something on the fly and I don't want to make it apparent by walking across the ring and telling this dude, like, do this now, that's what the ref is there for. I'm selling, I'm acting like I'm hurt. I pull the ref over. Hey, I'm pretending I'm telling you something that that involves me being hurt, but really I want you to parlay a message to this guy because we need to adapt and change. And uh, those things are very important. The, the ref can can be the difference between a good and a bad match, just like a crowd. Like if the crowd is dead the whole time and they're not into it, like uh, that could change the way the match looks and feels. Um, and, and I mean, I think the perfect example of that is... Uh, Rock and Hogan, you know? Like, if you look at that match from WrestleMania 18, uh, it's not a bad match, but it's definitely not the best match in the world. But, like, I think that match gets looked upon so fondly because of the way the crowd interacted with that match. And so um, I think people discount the other factors involved with professional wrestling. Everything I feel is equally as important. Every role, like, from refereeing to wrestling to commentating. Like, the commentators add the lyrics to the... Um, to the sounds that we're providing, you know, the soundtrack. And so, uh, yeah, like just to be a good ref, just, uh, you have to create logic out of the logical. That applies for wrestlers. And I think that applies to refs too. It's like, this is in our world, a competitive contest. So if you're not issuing the five count um, for uh, choking on the rope, if you're not issuing the five count for a tag team match, or you're not counting the 10 count on the floor or whatever, it, it, it all matters in the grand scheme of things. And like, Those little nuances can make such a big difference.
1: Well, I I can I gotta say honestly, I can promise you that Dave's not bullshitting you at all. That you have uh, inspired him here because usually I can't get him to talk to save our life on this podcast. He's over (laughs) here stumbling over words, just trying to beat me to the punch. (laughs) I'm I'm just I'm just a dude, bro. You're just a dude, but uh, you absolutely are an inspiration, and I hope you know that. Um, it's something you talked about earlier, um, you know, how Zach um uh, motivated you. Um, yeah. Is that something you think about in your career that maybe out somewhere out there there's another kid who maybe has an ailment or has, uh, you know, difficulties that they're going to see you and you'll inspire them to live their dream as well?
3: You know, I, I hope so. Um, uh, it's, again, it's weird because um, I think – Zach often lose sight loses sight on, um, how many people he touched just in his six months in WWE. And I'm sure there's a whole other, um, group of kids and, you know, there's other wrestlers with disabilities out there and, um, you know, any one of them, um, in the right situation maybe could have ended up wrestling Zach Allen or teaming with Zach Allen and, um, what are the odds that it ends up being me? Right. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's like, if you're driven and you're passionate enough and, uh, you show that you can keep up and you belong and you work hard, um, good things can happen. And, um, you know, Zach could team with any disabled wrestler, uh, or any wrestler in general. And, um, he took a liking to me. And, um, when I first met him, I didn't know if we were going to have chemistry outside the ring. And, uh, we both have similar senses of humor and, uh, You know he's helped me out in a lot of situations beyond the ring. And um, again, I I just saw him on uh, New Year's Eve and teamed up with him then. And uh, he's been doing a lot more motivational speaking. And just a couple months ago, uh, it was one of his first matches in months. And for this benefit show we were doing, he wanted to wrestle me one on one. And um, it's humbling, man, that like he trusts me and um, to be able to go out there and not only to team with him but to have these moments and matches where we can wrestle each other and show people that like, hey. We're not just two wrestlers with disabilities. Uh, we're two good pro wrestlers. That's pretty incredible. So to think that there's someone out there that might hear my story and connect with me on a deeper level, and maybe one day, you know, um, uh, I can run into them at a show and see the passion that they have and and help them in a way that brings them to the next level. Um, I would love to do that. And that's that's something, disability or not, that's so important about professional wrestling too that I try to hammer home in seminars now. It's um. It's not just about social media. Um, social media is so important um, with connecting with people. But if you don't have the human connection when you're at shows, you have nothing. And I'd like to think that because of the type of person I am and asking questions to people with more experience than me and just being a good person, um, I'd like to think that that's put me in the position that I'm in today. You know, if, I, if you don't ask questions, you don't want to get better. Um, how do you get better? Um, you have to do that. Human connection is important about, above all else.
0: Right, very good. Um, we're getting to be about like the last seven minutes of the show. Uh, I want to ask just like two quick questions for you and then obviously give everybody the information they need to go out there and vote um, because your division in uh, the Dreamer division starts on the 3rd this Friday, which is tomorrow. Um, my first question, I just figured since I'm DJ Barbecue and I do a lot of competitions, um, you know, what, what what's your go-to food, meal, that gives you enough energy to get through the day.
3: Well, are we talking something healthy or are we talking? Uh, like, yeah. Uh... <laughs>
0: well, I mean, you can go with either way. I mean, it, it, it's up to you. It's the one that really gets you to get through um, all this work that you do.
3: Uh, well, well, okay. So healthy is not as fun, but out, but I will say this um, when I do need to eat healthy during the week and I don't feel like cooking chicken breasts. Um, <clears throat> I do like to eat sheets, which is, um, um, People are going to label it as just a gas station, but it's so much more. You know, you can get this made-to-order food, and um, it's good on the go. Um, I can eat healthy there. Like I like to get a, um, they have this double turkey wrap that's super nutritious that I like to grab, and uh, they got a bunch of other snacks that I like. You know, some people will side with Wawa on the East Coast, but in the Midwest, um, it cheats, and I feel sorry for those poor, sad souls that have to eat that trash known as Wawa. Um, but on on cheat days, <laughs> shots fired. Um, on cheat days um, when I don't have to eat as healthy. um, You know, there's nothing better than a good soft pretzel or um, Little Caesars for a little bit. I I love pizza, and for a little bit, Little Caesars, they're notorious for making um, pretty cardboard, trashy pizza, but I love pretzels and I love pizza so much that for a limited time they had this pretzel pizza and it's probably, in my opinion, the greatest pizza of all time. But for some reason, they keep taking it off the shelf after a few months. They they brought it out in like 2014, and they recently brought it back last year, and they took it away again because they're bastards. Um, but uh, they actually. <laughs> I'll agree with
1: you on that one. That, yes, that, you that were speaking true. the language of the three fat men you were talking to. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: God
1: <laughs> damn, Little Caesars taking off <laughs> that. It's like the yes. McRib; they just take it away once we have
0: that
3: reach. It's such. Let, bullshit, let me man. tell you. If, if Dude, I could get
0: text message
2: alerts for when they have that pizza, I would totally sign up.
3: <laughs> it's it, it's the most amazing thing I ever eat. Like, John, Johnny loves it. Ricky Shane Page loves it. Uh, you know, and, and uh, it's one of the, and Gowan loves it. In fact, uh, when they took it away um, the last time, me and Gowan had this, this conversation in a car ride where we were legitimately considering not only writing Little Caesars but, like, going to the corporate headquarters in Detroit and, like, protesting – because, oh. and I've never done that for anything in my life, but I'm so passionate about this fucking pretzel pretzel pizza. It's like, I was ready to like
0: That's just your next podcast. Burn,
3: burn Detroit down if they didn't bring it back. You know, like I, I need this pretzel pizza and, and Little Caesars. If you want to continue to stay in business, you need to keep this pretzel pizza. I don't know what you're doing, but you're screwing up. I don't like it.
0: I'm challenging you right now to do a YouTube video. And do that. Get all you guys together. Do what, like, you know, Cody and and everybody else did that one Monday Night Raw. And just grab a limo, show up to their their headquarters and start picketing with signs and a megaphone and get everybody all over there. Tweet it out. uh, Make it happen. I think that'd be awesome.
3: Yes, we can. We can put all of our podcast money together, and we can rent a limo. And then, and then after, <laughs> what, what, with what little money we have left, maybe we can get some cardboard signs and scroll on them with some sharpies, and uh, really make some stuff happen.
0: Right. Well, my last <laughs> question is, is that you were talking about how you know when you were younger, like the only individual from your area that anybody knew that was an inspiration was Al Snow, and we had Al Snow on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. But my thing was to ask you, how does it feel for you to be in that position now, all these years later, now you're the one that's the, the homegrown talent that everybody looks up to, uh, and that, you know, aspires to be.
3: Uh, again, it's, it's strange and it's humbling. Um, I, I love being able to give back and teach. Um, but I, but I'm still learning and I think that's the beautiful beautiful thing about wrestling is like you never stop learning and uh, it's funny you mentioned Al because uh, this Saturday um, I'm going to be in Colorado and I'm running a seminar alongside Al Snow and D-Lo Brown it's almost like one of those things where it's like which one of these three doesn't belong because it's like you have D-Lo who's done you know WWE and Impact and you have Al who's done WWE and Impact and you have Gregory Iron who has just been like a pretty known independent wrestler for the last 13 and a half years. So it's like, for me, it's like going into this, like um, there's insecurities. Like I don't want to step on anyone's toes or anything, but it's like, it's weird that the promoter contacted me and said, Hey, do you want to take part in teaching in the seminar? I think you have a lot to offer. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. But like, you know, that kid in me, that fan in me is still a little hesitant because like I'm alongside two guys that I really respect. And I, i i don't want to be wrong um there i guess wrestling is subjective but there is there is wrong there's sometimes when people suggest things in wrestling that is absolutely wrong um i'm not going to go into detail about that but you know <laughs> again it's just um it's humbling man and uh uh i love helping young talent and uh give me advice and um i think that's the best part of wrestling i think i hope that's where uh the next stage of my career goes like if um Obviously, I'd like to get a contract at some point. That would make my life a lot more stable. Um, but if that never happens or if it does happen, um, I'd like that final step to be doing something behind the scenes because that's how much um, I'm passionate about wrestling, whether it be aging a match, producing, uh, writing storylines and stuff, producing video packages. I just uh, I, I love wrestling, and I love contributing, and um, I don't drink, I don't smoke. Um, this artistic outlet, um, keeps me going. And uh, I just love it. I I don't know what I would do without it.
0: Well, you know, I don't think you have to worry about not belonging. You definitely belong. Um, if you're afraid of being around uh, D'Lo and uh, Al Snow, you know, talking, don't worry about it. Because I, I when I had him on the, the podcast, I was nervous. So, and, you know, yeah. hey, it doesn't matter if you're wrong. You can be wrong and that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for the information for... This uh, Indie Mania for the Dreamers division, um, it will start tomorrow uh, and then go all the way through to the 6th, which is Monday, January 6th. Your round for this division in the dreamer division is January 5th, which is Sunday. Um, and it's going to be you versus uh, Steve Miggs. And we encourage everybody to go out and vote. Uh, and make sure that when you go to RetroSoft Studios' Twitter account, Instagram, Facebook pages, make sure you go out there and follow the instructions uh, because a lot of people get confused. They, you know, have people share that and then they think that, okay, they're gonna have to do it. Nope, you have to actually go to their actual post. Uh, You can do it on the Instagram story feed. You can do it on the Instagram comment comment section, uh, Twitter, uh, and Facebook page. Uh, So please go out and vote. Um, gentlemen, if you don't have anything else, you mean we can go ahead and go over there? I, Gregory, I thank you for coming on. I definitely gonna to have to find out and re, re uh, listen to this and do that sound bite because that is an inspiration. I am also gonna to have to talk to uh Mr. Dinsmore about getting you up to uh, South Dakota to Midwest All Pro Wrestling, uh, and have you I, guest I speak there because uh, honestly, nothing but praise to you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, and you are an inspiration. Uh, Cool.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate you uh, responding to my text, and I appreciate even more that you remember who I am. <laughs> so, no, thank yeah, you. thanks for doing this. Uh, like I said, uh, you're just uh, – this is one of the best interviews we've done so far. It's always great to have a guest where all you got to do is just ask a question and get out of the way. So thank you. This has been a pleasure having you on.
3: Nah, no, thanks for having me. I I always get worried that I ramble. So, uh that's kind of my thing. A lot, lot of uh brain damage, so.
0: <laughs> tr- tr- trust me, uh be on a conversation on the phone like we are right now with uh Dave and uh Cole and I and then they'll be like, "Oh god, this Charles doesn't shut up."
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh no one asked me for my my last words, so uh yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, I don't worry. I... Don't worry. No one really expects you to go to South Dakota, cause you know that that place sucks and no, uh, no one wants to fucking go there. But uh, you re- you really are an inspiration, man. And uh, keep it up. And uh, anything I can do to help, anything like make a a reality, you know. Um, yeah, you let need some know.
1: transportation next time you come to California. Yeah. Hit us up. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, w- I yeah, would love but... that. I appreciate it.
2: But, uh, you know, I'll uh, help uh, get the word out there any way I can, so.
3: Thank you. That means a lot.
0: Uh, Go ahead and tell everybody what your uh, social media accounts are so they can find you.
3: You can find me on Twitter, at Gregory Iron, which would be nice if you follow me because I'm I'm almost at 10,000 followers, so I'd really like to hit that 10K mark uh, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm on Instagram at Gregory underscore Iron because some piece of trash took Gregory Iron and he's never on there. Uh, I'm on Facebook uh, at facebook.com backslash hero or you can just search Gregory Iron. And uh, if you can't remember any of that, you can go to my website, gregory-iron.com, where I'm available for wrestling bookings and speaking engagements where I talk to um, – Companies, organizations, schools, uh, uh, grades one through 12, doesn't matter, colleges. And, uh, of course you can tune into my podcast, Iron On Wrestling. Every Wednesday I drop the podcast this week. I have Tommy Dreamer on the show and I've had guests like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Johnny Gargano and Kimberly and, uh, a buttload of others, Effie, Dan Housen, and, um, it's been great uh, podcasting and talking with my friends and recording and saving those podcasts for everyone to listen to, just like this one. I hope this will go down in history as uh, one of the all-time great wrestling podcasts.
1: <laughs> oh, we share that sentiment. So thank you, Gregory, again. I uh, also want to thank DJ Barbecue for putting up with us and uh, letting us uh, just kind of give him a hard time and uh, for being our official punching bag at Pro Wrestling Uncut. <laughs> <laughs> so, for Dave Tigerman Smith and DJ Barbecue, and today our special guest Gregory I. And this is Cole Dossing signing off. Have a good night and a happy new year.
0: Peace. This special episode for Retromania, Indievania is brought to you by KBACK.Rock. Rock radio the way rock radio should be. Go to KBACKRadio.com and listen today. Jekyll and Hyde Barbecue Our brothers from another mother. They make barbecue so good, it'll put a smile on your face. Remedy Brewing Company, it's the remedy for an LC you. And Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Go to MidwestAllProWrestling.com and get tickets and feel
1: the excitement.